This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Hello, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary! So Gary, really quick, um, this is kind of like Destiny coming to fruition because when I was in Pittsburgh, when you had Crush It originally, the first one, uh, I set up an interview and you called in and I was sick that day. And the board op at the station called me later in the day and goes, you have some guy Gary on the hotline? Who's Gary? <laughs> and I missed the interview, and I was so embarrassed, I didn't even try to reschedule with you. I love it, man. Don't worry at all. This, is, this makes me super happy. Let's rock and roll. All right, so here's my deal. We know about the book. People who are going to listen to this podcast know about the book because we're fans, right? So I just want to go straight for Q&A. Love it. Give me questions for you, and let's just roll, okay? Love it. Thank you. All right, so... You are so in tap right now with music, right? Like you got a ton of artists that come in for Ask Gary V, come in for Daily V all the time. When are you gonna start like being an artist manage- management? Probably never. I, you know, obviously I'm paying close attention more than ever. It was something that I was kind of subtly into through the last 25 years, then a little bit more into uh, and and but it's always been a part of my life, but not one that I would talk about because I didn't know it as well as business and sports, but it was always there. Over the last couple of years, you know, especially the last 18 months, uh, to your point, I'm getting real, real, real deep. I think I'm bringing a lot of value. I, I would be lying if I didn't say that management or creating a label has run through my mind. I'm an entrepreneur, everything runs through my mind. Um, my intuition is I won't do either. Uh, but I also would be shocked if I'm not doing something in the music industry over the next three to five years. My intuition is it's gonna be different, right? Like, I got into the liquor store business, but I did it by doing a e-commerce site when everybody thought the internet was crazy. I got into the Madison Avenue advertising world, but I did it by only selling social media, which was unsellable at the time. So I think if I was to do something actually official other than trying to bring value to people that I like, who I think are gonna be big stars, um, I think it's gonna come in a form that people aren't expecting. Okay. Um, You mentioned a lot, especially in your keynotes and in your daily Vs, that basically like radio is now where TV was like 20 or 30 years ago, right? So with that, it's me as a radio personality, because a lot, I watch all of your stuff, like religiously, okay? And I haven't noticed a lot of guys, I've seen you on The Breakfast Club, you know, with Char, I've seen you with Elvis Duran, but like those guys were interviewing you rather than like asking you questions specifically about my, the industry that we're in. Yes. So given the fact that we have to reinvent ourselves, what would someone like me do to stay relevant in an era where voice is gonna become king? It's actually very easy. As long as you film yourself or can or control it or not control it. But to me, if, if, if I'm a radio personality and I have full control, not the station, or I'm aligned with the station, to me it's just having a podcast and just filming the, the content and putting it on YouTube and Facebook and literally you're as relevant as anybody else. It's, it's like, I don't see radio as this major negative 
as long as you also vlog and have a podcast and make social media content. Period. That's it. Right. So right. I would actually argue being in radio is a huge advantage right now if you have the ability to film and also create a podcast out of it. Well, that's, that's funny because I have a podcast, right? And it's like, oh man, this podcast is fire. It's going to get a lot of listens, right? Because I do have an advantage over, you know. Yep, Joe Schmo. Yep. I've done it for my whole career. But it's tough because, like, I'll even play a clip of a podcast on the air, like, yo, you have to check out the rest of the conversation. And that, there's like, there's a hoop I'm making people jump through, right? So that's the hard thing is, like, yeah. I'm losing people. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I think, I think, look, you, as a radio personality, I think everybody loves to talk shit about the station or the distribution or things of that nature. But what creatives forget is that distribution's a part of it, right? And being on you know, on Westwood One back in the day or, you know, on, on iHeart or this, you know, distribution's part of it. But, but to me, you know, you still have an advantage of being able to, no matter how much friction you're creating for somebody who's listening on the radio, it's still more built-in audience than somebody who starts tomorrow and is only at the mercy of winning in a digital landscape. So you have an advantage. It's just that it's not enough an advantage for you not to be great at Facebook ads, at doing collaborations, at showing up on other people's podcasts. Like, in today's world where everybody can win, that means that everybody can win, which means you have to fucking be better than ever before to break through. Everybody's got a hot take on the Drake-Pusha debate. Everybody's got a hot take on the Golden State Warriors and LeBron. Everybody's got a hot take on Ben Simmons and Kendall dating. Everybody's got a hot take on Roseanne Barr. In that world where you're gonna have to fucking be better at content and distribution. And so yes, it is hard. And I always tell people, they're like, man, it's so hard. I'm like, at least you have a chance. In 1982, if you weren't picked by somebody and one of the 17 people that got to have an opinion, you weren't heard. Exactly. And, and I think, you know what's funny? Because I know and, and it's, it's switching gears, but under the big umbrella, I think it's kind of all falls in the same place. You talk about 80 brands coming back, right? And yes. it's happening. It's happening with Kate Swiss and your shoes. Thank you, by the way, because I flipped three pair and made like $300 a pair. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, um, but it happened case with it's happening with champion but like I, I was in the shower today and I like, wanted to take a bigger step back and I'm like well shit it's happening with there's a new Atari that just got released there's a new Intellivision coming out Cobra Kai is like the hottest show right now streaming so you nailed you hit the nail on the head but what I was wondering is is the thing that's making all of this happen is it direct to consumer so like you've got for instance, the Atari 2600, which is coming back, that's like an Indiegogo, so you buy that directly, right? You have artists who, like, that you have a lot on your show a lot, they may not have the radio play, but they don't give a shit because they're still making millions because they're still big because of Spotify. That's right. So, like, if you look at all these things that they have in common with Netflix, don't need to worry about getting a network to sign off on it, it's on Netflix or YouTube Red. Is the direct-to-consumer model the key ingredient in all of these things coming back and having that audience that they didn't need to, to get approval or a green light from a bigger corporation? Uh, yes-ish, but the bigger thing for them, so there's two different things here. Atari 2600 is different than Tierra Whack or Gunna, right? So right. 
Tirawak and Gunna and everybody else that's emerging in hip hop, the whole, the whole you know, punk rap movement, Lil Pump, all this stuff, they all built their brands on SoundCloud, Spotify, Instagram, and so they didn't need radio play. What Atari and Nickelodeon and Pokemon Go are playing on is brand. Once something's in your heart, it's in your heart. It's, it's, you know, it's funny, because I also DJ in the clubs, and one of my biggest golden rules is people don't know what they like, but they like what they know. Correct. And so, and so the best DJ to me is the one that's gonna throw three songs in the beginning that are fire that I haven't heard of and, he's, and he or she is putting me on and then out of nowhere Journey comes on and the whole place you know, breaks down too for that and they're two very opposite reasons. It's like don't play in the fucking middle. Either put me on to some new shit that's fucking fire or I better hit, hear that first fucking sound from Hypnotize from Biggie or I'm out. Right. So if I make, if I do, because I had this idea, but I haven't done it yet, but I want to bring it up to you, because if I make you, because I have this idea, if I make a mix of your Monday to Monday playlist, and I mix all the songs, or a lot of the songs that are on the playlist, but I also take some of your player clips from keynotes and edit it into the mix, will you, can I email that to you if I do that? Yeah, and I'll give you some love for it, absolutely. Okay, so if, so if I send an email, now he's in the subject, you yep. know, Kobe's yep. podcast. Yep. All, right. All right, questions from, uh, from listeners and from people that submitted to me. Uh, Drew, who is, uh, he's, uh, in, he runs a print shop, he says, how do creatives put a price tag on their time? Uh, you just keep asking for more money until everyone says no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Kyle is, uh, is in the health and wellness space. He's observed trends and products across the country that aren't available in his market yet. When it comes to introducing new products in his market, is it better to be first, even though the product is improving, or better to wait for someone else to take the risk of introducing the product? Both. Okay. I mean, the answer to that question is both. Like, every, there's, there's a lot, you know, one's, I'll give you a baseball analogy. He's saying, is it better to go one for five with a home run, but I might also go 0 for five with no home runs, or is it better to go two for five with two singles? Nice. That's the question. And so. He plays ball, so I think he's gonna understand that one. Good. <laughs> um, okay, well, here we go. A lot of your advice is geared to like college grads. Yep. But I'm old, I'm 40. What would, you, like, what would your voice, advice be for someone who's 40 but starting out where most of your audience is starting out when they're 20 or 30? Well, it's interesting. No joke, I don't know if you saw this. I literally posted a video today to 47 year olds. Like, I did not see that yet. So, uh, to me, everybody's going through different things. You know, I, to your point, in the last eight, 12 to 18 months, I found myself producing a lot more content to youth than I have in the past, which was usually to more 40 year old business people. Um, Look, I think the biggest thing with 40 to 50 is that it's now you've lived life and you're still young as fuck and you're like, now what, right? You have like an entire second life to live and it's a very interesting time in people's lives where they have to be really retrospective of like how self-aware are they? But honestly, I think 40's young, man. I really, really do and so I would say a lot of the advice I give to 20 year olds maps pretty well to 40 year olds which is you know, take some risks You've tasted some stuff, you know, happiness is the ROI, and so, you know, figure out what makes you happy. Is it the pursuit of money, or is it actual money? Do materials make you happy? If materials make you happy, is that really just insecurity and you need to have, 
you know, a BMW to make yourself feel good? Like, what's making you tick? But I would say the biggest thing that I would tell any 40-year-old is you've got 50 years to live. Please get the I'm finished or I fucked up. Like, eliminate dwelling because you're just starting. I really believe that, by the way. This is not some motivational rah-rah shit. I just think it's true. I just think you've got 40 fucking adult years to live. That's 20 more than you've lived. There's just so much opportunity. You know, I think one of your best pieces of advice that really hit home with me was when you said, um, you know, perfection is the enemy of speed, right? Like, yes. So many people want to get shit perfect that they just, oh, it's not perfect yet, so let's push it back. And they, like, you know, you much, you'd be in a much better position if you did it three weeks ago, and it might not be perfect, but you had the product out, right? Who cares? Um, that's one of the things that I really took away. What's, this is for my wife. What's the best bottle of red for under 15 bucks? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Dolcetto, D-O-L-E-C-T-T-O. Uh, Dolcetto uh, is, a, is a medium bodied red under 15 bucks that massively over delivers uh, uh, on, on the wine that it delivers. Got it, I'll tell her that. Do you see a possible area to flip with all of the Cleveland Indians merchandise that has a logo that I have to get rid of in a year? Are they, oh, I, you know what, I'm, uh, usually I'm good on culture. Are the Indians changing their logo or changing their name? No, I was told they, oh, they have to get rid of the Chief Wahoo. So the hats that they have now. My, my intuition on it is the answer is gonna end up being no, because there's just, it's all supply and demand. This is why everybody got fucked with 1987 to 1994 baseball cards. Right. We were all told they were gonna be worth money. Thus, we all saved them but there was a million of them. There's so many fucking pieces of content out there with Chief. Well, if you look at the things that are collectible, I'll give you one of the great inside tips on how to make money on collectibles. All right. Buy shit that is towards the end of a franchise being cool. For example, right now I would buy an enormous amount of 2018 original produced Harry Potter shit because it's towards the tail end of its era, which means they're producing these Harry Potter things in much lower quantity. For example, the first Star Wars toys, the most valuable Star Wars toys were the Power of the Force figures that were made in 85, 86, because nobody gave a fuck anymore, and they didn't make a bunch, and they got destroyed, and they got like thrown out. The most expensive, you know the rubber wrestlers from the 80s that I'm obsessed with? One big mold? Yes. They're called LJNs. The most valuable LJNs are not the first ones. They're the last ones. They're called the Black Card Series. They were towards the end of wrestling. So people, you need to buy things that are made in limited supply, but the equity of the franchise is very great. So like whatever is made towards the tail end of something being cool in culture is what you wanna buy and then recall it on the flip 20 years later when it's back. Genius. I was gonna ask what would be a very practical tip for, for flipping in money, that's it right there. That was super practical and I gave you even a more example, like a hardcore one. Harry Potter merch that is made in 2018, gold. Uh, this pops up on like uh, the uh, Gary Vee audio experience. You're gonna make my freaking year. <laughs> it, it's probably it probably is. I mean, there's two to three very good pieces of content here. Babin's shaking his head wildly, so I think you're gonna get some love. 
Well, you know, we do have one of our guys uh, that works for you, D, uh, D. Kirk. We had him on a podcast right literally a week before he went to move to work for you. Based on the Reddit virality. Yes. Amazing. That's why we got the... I love that. Man, it's, uh, and, and, you know, I love what you're doing with Twitch. We just, start, we just started a Twitch station. We started a Twitch channel here for a radio station. And my boss is looking at me like I have a dildo on my head. Like, why is a radio station going to have a video game channel? I'm like, Best thing. that's where attention is. Of and course. why don't we go there rather than wait for it to come up? Did you happen to catch the fact that I played Tyler in Nintendo hockey last night and beat him 20 to 7 in game one? Then he told me I'd never beat him again. And the next game, it was 12 to 1 when he had a mercy rule out. Dude, I'm just waiting for you to create your own track, the Vayner Media track, and Excite Bike. <laughs> By the way, Excite Bike is so fucking gangster. It's the best. It's like the best bad game ever. Best. You, know? like, you can't land that jump. Your guy always tumbles down the hill. And it's like, fuck. Best. Uh, man, dude, so much great content. I appreciate you uh, making the time for us. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. I know you're super busy. The funny part is I went to New York in, for uh, a D100 Jingle Ball. I tried, like, literally every attempt to find a record rep who knows you. None of my record rep contacts know you. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you're in the same fucking city. And then the funny part was the hotel that I stayed at, um, one of your videos, I forgot which one it was, it was a Daily V, but there was like snowflake uh, light on the light poles. Okay. And I'm like, shit, Gary V's right here somewhere, because I've seen because <laughs> your Daily V. I love that. Thank yeah, you, man. So- this was super enjoyable, guys. I appreciate it. Hey guys, if you haven't seen my social, if you're only living in the podcast, you might not know about my first in line concept. It is a database that I'm building that it then feeds a Facebook messenger and a text messaging communication world. For me, I wanted to create something for people that really wanted to get the rare sneakers, to get the first tickets to VoiceCon, to get discounts on other products, giving away free shit, wishing you happy birthdays, interacting, surprise and delights. Uh, I'm starting a brunch series. Uh, I'm doing something on the first of each month where you, you get a few 11 minutes of my time doing a bunch of super surprise and delight and first in line opportunities garyvee.com slash fil first in line pod fil pod fill pod fil pod garyvee.com slash fil pod fil pod if you want to know how to spell pod um, if you go there you can sign up for first in line uh and what I'm basically doing is gathering people's information, text and uh, addresses and email. Uh, really wanted to create a club, let's call it what it is. Uh, let me give you the example so then you can move on and listen to the podcast. Company reaches out to me, they're like, Gary, we have this new hoodie that we want you to wear. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like, you know, I'm not gonna take your $50,000 to wear a hoodie. But I'm like, oh, but what would be cool is if you give me 500 hoodies for my fans so then I can send out a text and say first 500 people to fill out this form, get a free hoodie or my next book when it comes out, do a first in line only thing where you get it cheaper than Amazon, or for example, my sneaker coming out in the summer and fall and winter of 2018, is there a discount on pre-sale? Or, because I wanna do more engaging with fans, the four people I bring to New York City to spend 30 minutes with me, just complete surprise and delight, because I'm so flattered you pay attention to me. That's what First in Line's about. Uh, Write hooks for me, the new book's out, the new sneaker's out, but most importantly, surprise and delight and access and freebies and happiness for you. GaryVee.com slash F-I-L-P-O-D. First in Line pod, go check it, sign up now if you haven't.